Is this Scott? Yeah, buddy. All right. What do you think about interviewing the beast that took down our football hopes back in 1999, that big grizzly animal known as Curtis Eben? Number 48, right? <laughs> Number That's 48. Correct. I got nightmares about it even still. First quarter in the state semifinals, Curtis Eben gives me a reason to have nightmares. Attack die, three men in a row behind Overman, and a first down, and at the 30, 20, 10, lead to the end zone, touchdown for Central Lion George Little Rock, and that's Curtis Eben. He goes 38 yards. Now skipping to the fourth quarter. JSPC Rams down 10 to 8, 10 seconds left, ball at the four-yard line. What's going to happen? Dobbindeck to win it, to put the Rams into the finals. The kick is blocked. The Rams don't make a field goal all season. And George Little Rock wins the game. The Rams season is over, and what a great year it was. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Anyways, I promise you I'll keep it lighthearted, Curtis. Uh, thank you for joining no, me. Good. And uh, I'll make a little introduction, and I'll we'll do this deal, and we'll get you back to your family. Are you still on vacation, or are you back home? No, we're still on vacation. We're sitting in Wisconsin Dells yet, so but it's all good. Matt Lautner coming to you live on a Sunday night, and we are revisiting a subject that we did about a month ago called the Friday Night Lights podcast series, the stud on our dome game semifinal that uh, that series has gotten over 65,000 listens between the six episodes. And uh, the stud of that team was a gentleman by the name of Curtis Eben, all-stater that went on to big things. I did a tremendous amount of research on you today, Curtis. You might think that I'm a stalker after I read this uh, <laughs> after I read this list of accomplishments from your glorious career. And just before I get started, I'm going to shout out uh, the other the other joker that's joining me is Scott Erickson, my old boy, inside linebacker for the JSPC team, number 34. I was number 36. I doubt you remember us because you stomped us so bad that day back in 1999. That is far from the truth. I don't think a 10-8 game is any stopping going on at all. <laughs> it's going to be an awesome uh, story for people that follow the series and then, uh, you know, the, the livestock people that follow the show. This kind of is a show about, you know, your leadership and the town's tradition in terms of uh, Central Lion George Little Rock is just a stud in terms of year-after-year uh, year success and a bunch of different sports, but we're going to be focusing a little bit on football here tonight and you are the current coach of central line george little rock the head coach correct that is correct my i've been head wrestling coach from since 2005 and i uh, took over uh, the head football job in 2017 curtis uh, this wasn't on my shot sheet but i just got to tell you real quick and i got your cell phone number i programmed it in my phone i dialed seven one two four seven zero, and i travel around doing this uh show cattle thing for a living and I just want to read a few names in my in my phone book and see if you know any of these folks. So I got also people with a seven one two four seven zero area code: Micah Harmison, Amy Vanderstop from Hull, uh, Craig Van Breesen, now Curtis Eben, a Dan Conan, and then a Tyler Dolislager. And then, uh, more importantly, my college roommate was a little jokester by the name of Nick Smith from the uh, Boyden Hole School District. He said he's a preppy boy, and that's what his school is known for, his little preppy kids. They were better at basketball. 
But all those mean sports, all the, the muscle sports like football and wrestling, they said you couldn't get in front of Central Line. Do you agree with that uh, statement? I, you know, I, I kind of got to agree with them. Yeah, I definitely I, I definitely can go with that. <laughs> you know, Boyd and Rock Valley has got, got a mean tradition in, in basketball. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, Boy, I should say Boynton Hall does, especially, and then this year, uh, you know, Rock Valley beats us in uh, basketball and uh, in the state championship game for basketball. So, you know, I, I still call those preppy sports. You know, obviously, as a wrestling coach, uh, anything but wrestling football sure. is uh, basically basically cheerleading to me. So, we'll just stick with that <laughs> as we go along here. That's awesome. We got a Michael Walker personality type here. That's good. I like it. So, I promise this interview will get started. But one more brief question about your area of the world. How in the frick does Central Lion, West Lion, which is 10 or 15 minutes west of you, uh, Rock Valley, Boyden Hole, I think there's a couple, you know, there might be even more that I'm sure aware of. How is there that much talent in Northwest Iowa stacked so tall that, like, not just one of these teams, but basically every team in that two or three county or whatever it is area are badasses in, in a lot of different sports up there? I tell you what it is. It, it's it's crazy. It is crazy good athletics that are up in Northwest Iowa. You know, even you're missing Western Christian in there if you want to throw their yeah. their their hall team. You got Unity Christian there, Orange City. You got MOC Floyd Valley that's uh, you know in there and then they've been down the last couple of years, but traditionally they just got some big hosses. So you know, just it, like you said, from from Northwest Iowa perspective, you just got good. You just got good. Big bone kids that well, it used to be farm tough, and now it's just kind of a blue collar tough type mentality around our our area. That's what my buddy yeah, Nick Smith said. Know. He said back in the in the late '90s, he thought it was like uh, a farm tough sort of a deal, and then he said your guys' weight training was advanced compared to all the other schools. And, uh, now, 20 years later, I mean, everything seems to be a little. There's just less people staying around on the farm, but. Uh, I can see what you're saying when you say now it's a more of a blue collar test, if you will. Just, I grew up on a farm. We milked 120 cows, and you know we we lived a tough life. You know, and now we don't have a lot of people. You know, corporations and the big farm aspect. We just don't have a lot of kids like that, and including my own family. That you know, you, you wish you could somewhat grow them up to be that type of mentality. But you know, we we were rugged, tough back in the day. I mean, we our whole team were just. You get off the hay rack, you came to practice, and, you know, football was kind of a second nature to get away from the farm. And still have a little bit of that up here, and uh, those kids are our leaders, and they're the ones that drive the, the the nail on things, and they're the ones, they set the standard for everybody else around them. So you still have a little bit of that, I would say. I always go back to, like, Harlan, and when we talk about, like, introducing, like, the, you know, the country culture to any urban setting, like, I mean, I think that's what they did so well is, and they just had kids that were just tough as nails that, you know, would just work their tails off day in and day out. But that, I mean, that's all they knew. I mean, Curtis, like, like you just said, you know, I, I always go back to, like, my personal story of, like, working on the family farm. Like, you hated it when you did it, but then today, how much <laughs> can you appreciate that, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, how much do you want to – you know. <laughs> How much do you want to give that back, right? Oh, I know. You know, like I, I told my wife, when we got married, and I said, you know, if you ever want to get divorced, it's really easy to divorce me. She looked at me, and I said, there's two things you can start doing. You start smoking, I'm leaving. 
Are you starting milking cows? I'm gone. <laughs> and, you know, and that, was, that was that still sticks in our marriage today. We we laugh about it off. You know, my dad was a heavy smoker, so I, I hated it. And then my dad milked cows, and I hated that. You know, so we we you know we laugh about it. You know, but it was one of those things. We now it's like. You know, my son gets up and goes and lifts in the morning, and I'm, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, I got lifts in the morning. I'm like, shit, dude, I was up at 5 o'clock every morning, did all my chores, milk cows, and then I went to school. And if I lifted, that great. But if I didn't get in there, tough shit. Dad didn't care. Like, it was like you did your chores, and then we left. You know, and that was that was the mentality of, you know, a bunch of us that, that grew up that way. And that was, like I said, football was a break from farming. It wasn't uh, – uh, you know, part of your day like it is today. So I think in private, Scott told me that uh, he, he grew up on a farm doing the, some of the things that you're talking about, just in terms of uh, helping out on the family family farm and throwing hay and all this. And Scott, you told me that you were going to buy a little piece of hay ground so you could make your make your boys uh, get out there and sweat a little bit and learn what it is to sweat in the Iowa summer heat with all this humidity. Yeah, so just a little bit of alfalfa and. Yeah, we're we're doing square bales. We ain't doing rounds. They they will <laughs> learn the concept of it's the best dumbbell in life, right? Bail it heavy. Bail, 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 bail it a little dew in the air and let her rip. You can bail like that, but then somebody's got to feed the damn things like that too. And so I get stuck on both ends. I I can I can make the boy do one <laughs> side, but just make him do both. And then I'm pissed at myself and I'm throwing bail. <laughs> And I'm like, damn it, rounds are a lot easier. <laughs> so uh, just to introduce you to my audience, uh, Curtis. Uh, you were a phenomenal athlete, and I listened to a podcast you guys did on the way home from California yesterday, and you're a humble old guy, but I'm about to just, you know, make you feel all these warm and fuzzies about how great an athlete you were back then, and also how awesome of a coach you are today. So, in 1999, uh, this is the year that we played in the Dome against y'all, lost 10-8 to on a last-second field goal. A little boy by the name of Curtis Even came right up the yard tackle hole, and snuffed it out. This wasn't just like a fingernail uh, block. You, I think you blocked it with your belly button that time. <laughs> so it wasn't, there wasn't much doubt that, uh, dang it, why didn't you block that guy? Because you, you just blew through the line and, and you blocked it. And here's why. You were Des Moines Register, first team All-State, and also in the Iowa Newspaper Association. First team All-State linebacker for the newspaper, first team running back for the Des Moines Register. Uh, guess who in the Iowa Newspaper Association who, are, who was right beside you in that first team All-State selection, Curtis? I would have to say you, sir. That's right. That's my one and only claim to fame when it comes to athletics in my entire life. And to this day, I said this in a previous podcast, to this day, I couldn't win a foot race with my nine-year-old daughter. So... <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter how fast you are, it's how tough you are, right? <laughs> right, right, right. So anyways, in that year, you had 258 rushing attempts for 1,546 yards. An amazing 173 tackles in uh, would have been 12 or 13, 13 games, I guess, for you guys. Then your career stats, you were up in the top five all-time at your school, 2,040 yards. Uh, rushing uh, first in career tackles with 348. That's just amazing. He once ran for 308 yards against Spirit Lake. That is amazing. 308 yards, that have been like at least four games for me. I was kind of a 75 to 100-yard rusher per game. In your three years of varsity play, you never lost a district game. How about that? Also in your senior year in the wrestling season, you were a uh, runner-up at 189 pounds. 
and fifth fifth overall the state in uh, your sophomore year at 160 pounds. And Neam, this is where your career would separate from me and Scott. You went on and you were a dominant athlete in college, um, three-time All-American at linebacker for the University of Sioux Falls up there in South Dakota. And then after that, you went back home and started, as you mentioned previously, started the uh, wrestling coach in 2005. You were an assistant on the football team. You took over the defensive coordinator in 2009 for Central Lion George Little Rock, and then in 2017, you elevated the head coach. Put written down, but I think you guys won the the state football playoffs in 2020. Is that correct? Uh, we were runner-up in two, 2020. Yep. You've, you've been named five-time Northwest Iowa Coach of the Year, and uh, I believe that's in wrestling. Is that right? Yeah. And you've had 57 state qualifiers on your team's 28 state place winners. And uh, between – I know that you'll never know how I came up with this fact – but between you and your brother, you've had seven state runner-ups. How in the heck, yeah, I, as stout yeah. and, and just mean as you are, how did you not get one of them done? God dang it! The even name, you know, it's, it's you know, it carries on still, around still the town. But you don't, you don't, you don't want, you don't want to be related to us because uh, you're probably going to get runner-up in something. So <laughs> pretty phenomenal career you've cool. had, and uh, you have a, a lot to look forward to yet. What do you think about that, Scott? I think you had a, a specific question for Curtis about his athletic ability, Scott. So a lot of, like, you know, Matt's successes was, and you guys can't, I mean, you've already really talked about it, but it was, it was a de- determination factor, right? Uh, Absolutely. How hard are you willing to just go that extra six inches, that extra nine inches, that extra foot, you know, to gain that yard? And, like, that was one thing that I always thought that Matt – well, on the offensive side, that's what he was willing to do. I mean, his body was in sacrifice every play. And then on the flip side, like, just, you know, go back to, like, the defensive side. And I mean, he was a nuclear missile when he would try to blitz. And I saw this little ballerina kind of go sidestep through blitzes, and I'm like, I always wanted my shoulders as square as they could be just in case I could hit somebody, right? No. So I was curious. So Matt always says that he was the five oh forty runner. What were your statistics, uh, you know, kind of your senior year, you know, as you were straight line speed. What were your speed and then your vertical? You know, honestly, I, I never tested those out. My dad, my dad wouldn't let me go off a track because, uh, you know, we we milked over a hundred cows and we farmed about fifteen to sixteen hundred acres. That wasn't a choice, so I didn't go off a track. I never really ran a hundred. We never tested. We never did weight training that much, and you know. In, in high school, we never really lifted. We did, but we ate donuts more in the morning if we had time. But I, I can't answer those. You know, when I got to college, yeah, then it was a little different. You know, I was I was in that four six range. Um, you know, vert. I, I couldn't even tell. You. I could dunk a I could dunk a volleyball in eighth grade. Whatever that told you, and I was I was six foot. So whatever that is, <laughs> that, that that's what you judge things on. Was not how high you know it wasn't numbers. It was keep dunking keep dunking volleyball because you couldn't grip a basketball, so you dunked the volleyball. <laughs> I got some stats for your notebook, Scott. I could touch the bottom of the net whenever I was a senior in my vert. That's my vert. It, those are things you registered by. It didn't matter about numbers. It was like, did you dunk it or not? I once had to outrun the police whenever we got busted for having a party, Scott. I don't know about my 40 times. And you were sure yeah. enough to make it out of the clothesline, huh? There you go. Yeah. But, uh... I think that your story is amazing, and it's kind of inspirational just in terms of leadership and uh, just your path through all this. And 
want to get your feedback on a few different things, Curtis. So we'll pile right in here, and we'll uh, if some of this overlaps with stuff we've already talked about. I wrote these down a few hours ago, so we'll get it edited out in post production. So number one was uh, <clears throat> when it comes to football wrestling. Uh, what is your uh, position on, is it nature or nurture? Uh, how much is your team's success back in the late 90s or current success during your coaching career uh, could be contributed to community pride and school tradition? Uh, I know this would be a hard one to quantify, but just in general, I mean, yourself, there's just, just the amount of wins that you guys have year after year through the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and now into the 2020s. It's amazing in your area, but specifically at uh, Central Lion, all the athletic success. So do you think it's nature or nurture? You know, I, I'd like to stick with one, but I don't think I can nail down uh, the one side of things in nature versus nurture because I think there's a combination of both and that's a huge a huge play in, into it, you know, and from the community support to, you know, the bottom line is you still got to have some good, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's on your team. Yeah, it doesn't – you know, you can have, if you have some guys, I, especially in today's world, I think back, you know, in the 90s and 80s and the 90s and even maybe a bit into the 2000s, you could just have some tough-ass dude that ran around and you made plays. Today's world with the, the game is getting so sophisticated. It's, it's, there's a ton of film time. You gotta have some Jimmy's and Joe's on your team to really, um, expedite your team to the next level. Um, and then with that, there comes a, there comes a combination of that community support. You got, you got to buy in. You got to have people that, number one, believe in you as a coaching staff. Number two, believe in, in the people that are around the community and the buy in what they're doing. And, you know, we, we have some amazing traditions and what we do within our uh, school. Now, one of them is the quarterback club. It started in 1950 or 1940 to 1950. We don't really know the start date of it exactly. Um, we meet every Monday um, as a group. You buy you buy a membership to the quarterback club, and you get to meet with the head coach, and you get to watch film, and you talk stats, and you kind of give the the past game and the upcoming game um, perspective. And you know we still have roughly anywhere between 50 and 80 members that uh, join us every every Monday, and we have a meal and Seriously. we sit and talk football Jeez. and. Uh, and I tell you, and that's part of what our tradition is. You know, that's just something that you know that we, we, you know, I look for. I, I, I went to it a couple of times when I was assistant coach, and when I took over his head, uh, you know, it's it's something you go to, and you know, the the big games you win, you can't wait to show up, and the games you lose, and maybe felt it was on your shoulders. You, you, that walk is <laughs> walk to that meeting is just a little slower. So it's amazing support. You know, uh, it's but it's part of our tradition. We have a we have a touchdown club. Um, that's, so we, that's our quarterback club, and then we have a touchdown club where our kids go out and uh, they actually sell uh, uh, memberships to, to basically uh, you pay $25 um, for the first uh, 50 touchdowns, and uh, we raise good money with our football program. And, you know, when we started that off, it was just because the expenses of football was getting so high. We, we had to come up with some funds. I had, had people call me last year because they weren't asked to be part of the, the, the club, and so – I, I sent kids out. I'm like, hey, you got to go to so and so's house. You got to go here, and you know, and they're and they're, they're people are willing to donate money. And as you're rocking and rolling, so. I got just a, a a dozen different questions that jump into my head, and I know that you can't go till midnight, so I'm gonna be try to be brief here. But like in the 3A class, 
in my I, I I don't have as much uh knowledge of it over the last twenty three years as you would have. But like Central Lion, Harlan and then like the New Hampton teams probably would jump to my head as just schools that are always gonna be there. is there any others that I'm missing in, in three A only? Like who are the dominant forces well, outside of Harlan? We only went three A for those four years, ninety six through ninety nine. So ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, oh, ninety nine okay. years. Uh, we were we were only three A those years. Um, beat Harlan in ninety six to get to the semis, and then lost to Harlan in ninety eight. Um, and, in the and semis. then uh, obviously nine in the semis, yeah. And then uh, obviously uh, and then uh, ninety nine. But and then we jumped back down two A, and so you know you got two A, you got M- you know two A, you got Emmitsburg up in Northwest Iowa that for unbelievable amount of years just owned two A, and then uh, the last couple of years in three A around us is Rock Valley Boyden Hall. Um, they've had some tremendous good runs, you know, and, and they've had some good teams from Northwest Iowa. And so, you know, it's you know, and he had West Lyon and two A also in, outside the Emmitsburg world. And so, you know, Central Lyon and West Lyon, Central Lyon, George Little Rock and West Lyon, there used to be two A and three A. So my my junior year, West Lyon was state champs. We beat them. My senior year, they beat us, and we were runner up, and they were state champs. So, um, they were state champs in eight ninety eight and ninety nine, and two A, and then we were. Three, obviously. So I just think that's yeah. a unique comparison between schools like yours that you're actively involved with to this day, and then the comparison for our school, which is called JSPC Jefferson Scranton Peyton Chardin, who basically has no football tradition. Just from a, I mean, we were one of we were the first team ever to make it to the semifinals, and only one other team since then has made it to the semifinals. And just to go back for a second, uh, Peyton Chardin. They had the 85 and 86 uh, state champs, right, in 1A? Was Bryce Pop on that team? No, Bryce was Scranton. So, yeah, just for yeah, anybody that's listening that doesn't know, Bryce Pop was a uh, uh, defensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills there in the 90s. And maybe Green Bay Packers. I didn't know. Is that right? No, he, uh, he was. Defensive player of the year for two years in a row. Is that right? Yep. For yeah, Green I think Bay right. and yep. then also for Buffalo. Okay, here's a little bit of Green County, Iowa history. Bryce Pop. Bryce Pop. Bryce played linebacker at UNI from 1986 to 1989, earning second team All-America honors in 1989. He went on to have an 11-year NFL career, highlighted with an NFL Defensive Player of the Year honor in 1995 with the Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah. What a stud. Better than all of us times two. <laughs> Bryce is yeah, just I in my office, from, actually, so that's good. I thought huh. he was from PC, so he's in Scranton. Back in the day... You could bail as much hay as you wanted. You could do whatever you wanted, but maybe if you wanted to be a little more strategic, you could do it. Um, Peyton, Iowa, has a, well uh, an NFL Hall of Famer, um, last name Dorn. He played for the Dallas Cowboys, and he grew up like probably a mile and a half away from me. And that guy oh, yeah. would take two bales of hay, and he would run two miles every day and just he would go down the, the, the section and then come back the section, you know. So Bryce Pop and this Dorn fella coming out of Scranton and Peyton Chardin. A lot of uh, a lot of NFL talent there. I didn't even know all that. It's awesome. Uh, Curtis, just to let you know, uh, Peyton Chardin, five years after I graduated high school, so after we played you guys, my sister was uh, one of six people. Everybody made homecoming court. That's how small we were. <laughs> yeah. so now you guys are Green County. Yeah, right. there you go. Right. Yep. Yeah. 
So if you're, I mean, if you're at the floor level, and I'll, I'll never be a high school football coach, Scott's thinking about taking it up maybe. On year one, how do you differentiate yourself from Central Lion, from a culture like JSPC where there just wasn't that community pride or, or years of winning? I mean, uh, is it just simply these community events where you're uh, getting engagement throughout the year, or how do you think you build that tradition on day one or year one if you're Kurt Black in Harlan or uh, Curtis even up there, and if the tradition wasn't already built for you, I mean, how would you go about injecting that yeah, uh, I think tradition? When I, look, when I look at other programs, like you said, I like the Harlans and, you know, you can pair us with uh, Central Line, George Little Rock, West Line. you got to start with, the, like you said, the community support. you got to get parent buy-in. You know, you get you got to remember that you you get a small time of these kids' life, and, you know, what they hear at home, is it positive or is it negative? Are they going to come to practice with a better attitude than the day before, or are you going to fight the home situation? So I think that's a big aspect of it with kids is that you you got to come to – they got to come to practice and look at you and I and be like, yep, I believe in you, coach. I'm going to go home. My parents believe in you. Our community believes in you. We're going to talk football at church after after we say our prayers, and – and then we're going to talk football, and we're going to we're going to get to work, you know. And I think that mentality starts. And and if I just start from a small small school again, that's what I would do. I'd start, and you know, it ain't going to be a, a one year flip, but you hopefully after one year you can get some buy in, and and, and three four years down the road you're making progress, and that and it definitely starts there. And you got to have that parental buy in, that community buy in. Yeah, Rome was built then, in a day, and that you're involved in one of the premier year after year traditions, and if I can ever hit the lottery, I think I would like to just, you know, coach a year with my youngest boy, who's the only one that shows any talent at all in terms of athletics, and just see if I do any good like you are doing right now, Curtis. So here we go. This is really important to me. So I know you're humble, Curtis, but outside of yourself, or you can say yourself if you're com- that, that, that confident, who is the greatest athlete in Central Lion uh, athletics history? Well, I, I appreciate you guys doing this podcast. And I, last night I listened to you guys' podcast. After you sent it to me, and I, and I died laughing because it's just great to listen to other people's perspective, but also listen to just uh, energetic people about football. And so that, that was really, I, I, I found it, uh, it was very entertaining. A couple of years ago, we started our own podcast, and it's the LGLR Football Podcast on YouTube. We, we broadcast them all. Uh, and one of the things we do is we select every position, and we pick the best athletes from every position. We've had some damn good athletes that walk through our buildings. And we might have one of the best ones right now going through our buildings currently. So I call it the killer instinct. Um, the, like like you guys talked about earlier, that win at all costs, you got to get two inches. You can put the ball in this kid's hand. And I'm gonna go with Jordan Gakey. Um The kid was uh, he played on our he played on our 06, 07, and 08 teams. State champs in 06, 07. We were runner up in 08. We were runner up, but. Uh, kid ended up going to UNI um, to play football. He's a two-time state champ. He actually tore his ACL his senior year in the first round of the playoffs, played the rest of the way through, and then had surgery after that, so he didn't wrestle his senior year. Uh, won state champion in uh, the 4 by one in, in track and an extremely good baseball player, too. So, but you know, you're leaving out people like Roger Meyer, who, won, who was on the 96 team, who went and played at Iowa. You're leaving out Mike Klinkenberg, who played at Iowa. I mean, you're you're leaving out a lot of a lot of damn good names throughout that time. So you know, Adam Booby that played on the '98 team that uh, we lost with Harlan, but he played baseball at U and I, had multiple football scholarships, played in the um, major leagues. Tyler Starr that played in the NFL for us. So 
Uh, for me, I, I'm going to go with that with Jordan. Uh, overall, offense, defense, but he was gritty yeah. tough. After hearing that list of players that you just listed, what in the hell is in the water up there? What are you guys drinking? Just an incredible amount of studs. To make it more uh, engaging to our Iowa listeners, if you would have bypassed on Sioux Falls and uh, played at uh, Iowa or Iowa State, are you lacing it up with the with the red and yellow, or are you going gold and black, baby? What's your favorite Iowa team? I'm going gold and black. You know, I Woo! take suck on yeah, that, Erickson. We got dude. I want to <laughs> you know, Iowa never recruited me. Iowa State actually recruited me. Dan McCartney actually recruited me pretty hard out of high school. So I, sh I should give him a little bit more credit, you know. And that would have been pretty cool to play next to Seneca Wallace back then. We have our first hog guy going um, here. Uh, Zach Lubmer, our quarterback from next year, just committed to Iowa. So, I, you know, I still got to cool. stick with the, the black and gold. So uh, You mentioned somebody that had blown their knee. Uh, I don't. I, if you hadn't listened to all six of those podcasts, I think in the first one or two, uh, we'd mentioned that Scott, he had talent similar to yours, uh, Curtis, in terms of being a college athlete, uh, but he blew his knee out as a junior, and he played his entire senior year with no ACL. Right knee, right, Scott? I can only come yeah. up, so if anybody was scouting, <laughs> it was really easy. You talk about tough, Scott. Boy, you got to put yourself up there in that category. Think about that. I mean, that is that's damn impressive to to lace up the football shoes and knowing that, you know, not only, not only physically but mentally, you know, you're going to play through some not only pain but his injury too with it. And you, you hit it on the head. I mean, that's interesting. That, that's interesting that he knew it was a mental thing. I don't know if you ever battled a knee injury, Curtis, but Scott, he, oh, man, his intensity for football and his commitment to the game was unmatched. But, I mean, he, he literally came from this Barry Sanders shifty sort of runner and, in middle school and freshman and sophomore ball to just being a north-south runner. And he just – he didn't have the confidence at times to to plant and and drive off of that leg for obvious reasons. And just like you said, Curtis, like, so once I blew it, there I knew there was no way I was not going to play football. I mean, I was recruited by Iowa State, Iowa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, everybody really, Michigan – and, and 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 that didn't matter, right? I didn't care about that. That's probably somebody doing your work behind the scenes. But I had to go play football my senior year. Um and yep. I lifted my A off my my that that summer year. I I mean I lived in the gym and I'll never forget uh Matt, I don't even know if you remember this, but it was probably like eight or nine games into the season, and actually we, we started to win after a little while because it was a pretty bad start. And I'm up standing on the table getting taped up like I always got taped up on my knee, and Lautner just goes, Scott, you quit lifting? You just couldn't <laughs> commit the time that you could, you know. I mean, sadly, I wasn't doing the dairy work like you were, you know. Like, I was I, – I mean, I was I was in the gym – but then once once school started, I wasn't in the gym like I used to be. And yeah. as the season got long, I mean, along like, you know, everything stiffens up, right? I mean, you know, you get permafrost, you get anything, and then you get to the dome, and it's like, holy crap! You yeah. plant with your right leg without an ACL, that thing's that thing's doing a different thing than it did before. And, you know, <laughs> there's no give, no exactly. forgiveness. 
I I feel bad just no. talking about your knee even 20-some years later. I hope your boys' freaking knees hold up because I'm going to be at every one of their freaking games if they do because I can't wait to see what Scott Erickson could have been. And you are still a badass. I, I but, just want to uh, give Curtis a big hug someday. Yes. What? You, you want to give him a hug? Why? Scott, Scott <laughs> how, old are your, how old are your boys? Uh, nine, seven, and five. Where you live in Greene County now or what? Ogden. Uh, we're getting closer. Yep, we're, we're, we'll we'll be in Ogden this next year. They are one A. Yeah, they're one A. I'm pretty sure. I was just making. I got a. I got a, I obviously have a junior, a 17 year old, a, a six and a three and a one. So I want to make sure that I'm line, we're not lining up together too much. So that's why. Question. I got <laughs> All questions. boys. There you go. All boys. Uh, what position does your boy play? Uh, 17 year old. He plays safety and tailback. So he's an all-state player last year as a sophomore. So he had a good year. So nice. He's six one, one hundred ninety. Now that we've made this connection, yeah. Curtis, I'm gonna be logging on to the old Des Moines Register dot com every Saturday morning next fall, and I'm gonna check <laughs> in on you. I'll text you. you. Just go, just go to YouTube and you watch our games. There you go. There you go. There you go. You, there you, you, go. you can there you go. come up and bro- you can come up and broadcast the game. There you go. I'll invite you up to broadcast hey. one of our games. <laughs> All right, Matt, I love it. Good idea. Calling. Uh, I travel through Northwest Iowa uh, a bunch in the spring and the fall, and I'll uh, <laughs> darn sure take up the chance to come podcast or whatever from a uh, you hit, from a game. You hit me up. You can come on, come on to our games. All right. Uh, so, uh, Curtis, as you moved your way through college and you were having a bunch of athletic success, uh, did you always? see yourself as wanting to come back home to Central Lion and become a coach, or what was your kind of uh, path, through, uh, path through college? Like I said, I was a farm kid, and at the time, going into my senior year, even through my senior year, I was I didn't know if I wanted to go to a four-year school. My dad wanted me home to farm, and so I, I really had to, I really was going to go to the, the local community school, and I was going to become a power lineman. That was kind of um, it was a good job. I, had some, you know, I could take some time off, help dad farm yet, and all that stuff. And then I football went along and started getting recruited. I was like, oh, maybe you know, only got one chance to do these things. And so then, yeah, I end up going to USF, who had an extremely strong tradition up there of winning. Um, and so I jumped on and up there. And uh, going to college, I was like, I really didn't know what I was going to do. And um, uh, one of our offensive line coach was like. Go in education. I'm like, oh geez, I don't know about that. So I looked into it, did some, uh, did some uh, kind of like studies, you know, internships with with some schools around the Sioux Falls area. I don't mind this. This is actually kind of fun. So I switched to elementary ed, and then I jumped on, and then I got a uh, my K through 12 PE endorsement along the way. And uh, my old wrestling coach, uh, Hank Grant, was at Central Lion, and he was there from. 1972, I want to say, and uh, he said, he goes, oh, someday if you, uh, he goes, if you want, you want my job, let me know. I'm gonna, and he goes, I'll hold on to you until you're done with school. And I was like, ha ha, yeah, funny, ha. All of a sudden, my junior year, he contacts me again. He calls me up in Sioux Falls. He says, hey, you want my job? He goes, I'm thinking about retiring, but I'll hold on one more year if you want it. I'm like, you know what? And so that kind of got my brain working back to move back home and. We had an offensive line coach that I was really close with, and Dwayne Postma. Between Hank and Hank Grant and Dwayne Postma, in the uh, spring of 2005, I applied for the the job of Central Lion, and and I you know, 
I got it and got the head coaching, wrestling coaching job there. I was coaching wrestling at Lincoln High School at the time. That's kind of a, just a get money type situation, which ended up paying off pretty well because I had some experience in for the job. And then I uh, started coaching football as a volunteer in the fall of 2005. Well, you uh, met your wife there at college or high school? Or nope, I met my wife after. Yep, met my wife after. If you hadn't become a coach, did you envision yourself as being a lineman or uh, what? What other? Yeah, honestly, I think I would have went back to farm. You know, I I think that was probably the 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 plan in place um, was was to go and farm. You know, I if I didn't get an education, didn't get into coaching, I think I would have been a power lineman, or if I would have went home and farmed. I can't believe that you say you didn't lift very much because you're a stout sucker, and you ran my ass over in one of them plays in the dome that. <laughs> I watched. I didn't get run over very often, but I can say for sure the two people that I played against that ran me over were one of them was Curtis Eben, and the other one, uh, me and Scott went down to the Down Under Bowl in Australia the summer of our senior year, and Iowa State's Jermaine Billups that started for him at cornerback uh, for a couple years was a star from the Nebraska team, and he ran my ass over on the very first play. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that Scott got the best of me a time or two in practice, but. The two players that I'm sure got the best of me in a game or two was uh, Curtis Eben and Jermaine Billups. So I had this show cattle career waiting for me when I was done with school or whatever, and I just never could get real serious about lifting, and uh, we threw hay, and I mean, I, I was not like I was out of shape or whatever, but I just didn't have that extra level of dedication in the weight room that Scott would have had, and uh, uh, if I didn't have something that I was looking forward to doing, I probably would have taken... My dedication to football would have went a little up, and I don't really wonder how good I would have been at college because that experience with Jermaine Billups taught me that I definitely was not a Division One player, at least not uh, without a bunch of work in the weight room. Just just to go back to tradition just for a second. So, uh, Curtis, so for me yeah. and Matt to, like, fund this thing, did you guys ever get asked to go over to the Down Under Bowl? Nope, I don't think anybody's ever done it for the Central Line Doors Little Rock, to be honest. That's a lot of money. And there were some uh, communities, yeah, and there were some communities that, like, dug into it hard, but I think it was Matt's mom and my mom that were like, you're getting asked to go do this? Why would you not do this? At 40 years old, I'm glad we went because I'll never get the chance to go back to Australia, I don't figure. So it was a pretty cool little trip. The big fundraiser was we wanted to play the uh, 85-86 state champions from Peyton Trudan. So our team, you know, 13 years later, you know, 13 years later, some of the guys, you know, you talk about like the, the blue collar work ethic, the farmer mentality, some of the bad A linebackers from their, their world, they showed up in like freaking work boots. They, they did have shorts on, but oh, it was so much fun. You guys strap it on? Or guys, uh... It was the kindest uh, flag football class tackle football game you could ever play. <laughs> Those 85 guys, they weren't coming back. They weren't coming back and not hitting some fucking people. God dang it. Oh, yeah, you know they were hitting people, yeah. After our senior year, I went and got my knee, re well, fixed then. And so I was only like four or five months out. So I thought I could go down to Australia, kind of figure this whole thing out, and I could go play at Iowa State or Iowa after that I was Matt's biggest cheerleader. I don't remember him getting crushed by Billa or uh, <laughs> what happened. You may not have, but 
<laughs> no. <laughs> we beat Kansas. We got rolled by Nebraska. And uh, it was yeah. fun little deal. Met a lot of people. Actually, I met uh, Ryan Proctor down there that had a broken collarbone during our playoff game with uh, Harlan. But uh, he was able to start at running back oh, yeah. for that team. And uh, good fun. Ryan Lawler. Good fun. Actually, I said Proctor. Yeah, Ryan Lawler. I uh, I looked him up on Facebook, too, to uh, back whenever we were doing the Harlan game to see if we could even come on. But I couldn't find him. Yeah. So. It's amazing that people in our age bracket might not be on Facebook. <laughs> right, damn sure the lost. When they when when had the stories of old Curtis even to tell. You know, I, I was re- I was reading an article um, from back from one of our pot from our podcast, and one of the things it said in there that the the Cyclones missed the semifinals for the first time since the IHSAA adopted a sixteen team playoff format in nineteen eighty four. When you guys beat them that year. From 1972 to 1999, they had a freaking 72 and 11 record in the playoffs because they had won it like eight or nine times. It's just incredible the amount of success they had. That is, yeah, that is just stupid. I mean, I'm sure it's the exact same culture that you're trying to build, but it's just, it's so cool. I mean, nothing, nothing is done without hard work. Nothing is done without commitment. And if you want to think that something's given to you, you know, go somewhere else, right? You know, Coach Blatt had that mentality down in Harlan, though. He just, you know, in the funny story with Harlan here quick, and then But we went down to USD in 2006 for a football camp, and we played in Harlan down there in a camp. And this, and Coach Blatt's sitting in a golf cart, and he's coaching from the golf cart. And this sophomore quarterback they had, because their starting quarterback was playing baseball or something. And so the sophomore quarterback goes out. And you get to you get to bleep about everything I'm going to say here, but he uh, he rolls out to his right, <laughs> throws a ball, and he goes, "What in the fuck you throwing that fucking ball to that guy for? The guy in the backside wide open, open your goddamn eyes up." Radio edit. Radio edit. Curtis even does Kurt Blatt impressions better than Will Ferrell does. Uh, Harry Carey impressions. Our coaching staffs hard, and our kids. We that, that was every one of our kids stopped and just stared at him like, "Hold, you hear that guy oh. talking?" <laughs> so Harry, see what you think. Will Ferrell is Harry Carey right here. I went through this list of jokes that I I didn't write it. I didn't think it would come off so mean, but Tiger Woods is one of the top black golfers in the game. <laughs> Maybe the best. <laughs> Jury's still out. John Elway. John Elway, he needs to get his teeth fixed, you know, and that was... Just, just thinking yeah. back to your high school career and your coaches to today, now that you're the head coach, I mean, I'm not trying to ask you to be political, but, like, it's kind of over the last 10 years, the sissification of America has come on to us, and in your podcast, you guys briefly, in the one that I listened to, you briefly talked about not being able to do crackback blocks if you're the wide receiver or whatever it was. and uh, I mean, just tell me about, does it make it harder that, I mean, maybe it's not this way at Central Lion, but you briefly mentioned it earlier, but do you feel like you have to be a more kinder, gentler person in the year 2022, or can you bite into their ass and will they respond to it? No, you, you can still bite. You know, your, your bites just got to be a better your, – your bark's got to be better than your bite, I guess, is what I should say, is that, you know, and that's today's mentality and you adjust to it. But, you know, kids still strive for discipline. They still 
they still want their accountability there. Um, you just some kids are a little bit harder than others um, in today's world, but uh, you know, some some kids are just soft-hearted, and you got to find every kid's got a mean streak in them. You just got to find it, and sometimes it takes a little longer for that kid to get it out than others. But well, we've been extremely fortunate. You know, one thing with our coaching staff that at Central Line George Little Rock, you know, Toby Lorenzen was a head coach um, from. 1995 until 2017 or 2016, and he had the basically the same coaching staff his entire career. That would be one similarity that our team had. Uh, uh, our head coach was Bill Kibbe. Our defensive coordinator was John Turpin. Our special teams coach was um, Tom Powers, and our offensive line coach was John, uh, Mark Sawhill. Anyways, those four coaches – Ten years previous to us, and I believe ten or fifteen years after us, uh, they all came in together, and they all—I think—they all retired at generally the same time. So, I just wish football was a summer sport. Cause I, I kind of have school teachers' hours, but I just—I can't become a coach now because we got too much <laughs> shit going on in the fall. Uh, in terms of becoming a, an elite high school athlete, that you might not have to have that total dedication, like I probably didn't. Or a college level athlete where everybody's good, you probably have to have that total dedication. What, what percentage basis or how would you describe, uh, the physical gifts that someone has compared to the mental, I mean, edge or swagger? Uh, I mean, that sounds like your boy's awesome. I mean, you have plenty of talent, but, uh, Nate Robinson, your defensive lineman yeah. from 1999 would be an incredible <laughs> example of this. I don't even know the boy. I just know his stats. He was like five eight and a buck fifty five. He was your nose guard, wasn't he? He played a forefront, so he was one of our defensive tackles. But exactly. Nate Rob's a prime example of exactly exactly what you're talking about. Nate Rob was one fifty five, and the but he wrestled one thirty five his senior year, so he he wasn't one fifty five even with his pads on. So <laughs> the kid, but again, that's he was as tough. He was as tough as they come. He came from a tough home life, um, but he was just. You couldn't, you, yeah, it's, you can't describe how tough that kid is in today's world, even. Kids don't, can't, they, they, they watch tape and they're like, what? But, you know, I, you're right. The intangibles, you, you have to have a mixture of both. But, you know, you got to have those kids that are just mean, gritty, tough, killer instinct. Even if they're not athletic, they're gonna, they're gonna bring some guys with them. Um, on the team, they're gonna, they're, they're, they're your leaders, uh, in practice. You know, they might not be your, Vocal leaders may not lead, but but they they every day game in every day practice and uh, you know day and day practice wise they bring the mentality that you as a football team need. And if you don't have those guys, you, I don't give a shit how much talent you have. You're just not going to be very good. At the high school level, give me eleven players that have swagger and know how to play football, or just they're football players. Uh, like on yeah. our team, there's a Mitch Murphy that's like a buck forty five, and <laughs> he would he would like get carted off the field after most uh, kickoffs because he was like a jet man. But, he, I mean, he went on to play at Iowa Central and was uh, went on to Luther after that. I mean, he went on to play in college football, but he was just a short little guy with a bunch of swagger, and he knew how to play football the right way. And once you get into college, you definitely have to have a combination of swagger and truly amazing talent because once you get to college, Everybody on the field is awesome, not just uh, you know a handful yeah. or whatever. So, hundred percent. Hey, so what do you do? What do you do for the Allen Iversons of the world? You surround them with people that don't know any different, and they have a choice to shit or get off the pot. <laughs>
people when you put them with people that are just downright tough, I don't give a crap how athletic you are. You, you're going to perform or you're going to run. And and pretty soon, even when you're that gifted and you're somewhat competitive, you're going to stop running because you're going to start performing because that's the nature of the beast. You know, and that's what I tell kids all the time. Even, you know, it's like you guys can run all you want on the football field. You guys can run from every problem in life, but someday you're going to be hit with a problem in life. You have to deal with it. And so the sooner you learn to deal with it, and that, I don't care if you're a, a college kid, you're a husband someday, your father someday. These 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 things are gonna they're gonna get you, and so you can't you got to stop running from stuff. And uh, and that's why I love um, like we talked about earlier those those couple of kids that are really tough on your team. You surround you surround your really good athletes with those kids, and you put them in drills. You put them with lifting partners together. You condition because sooner or later the mentality wears. I mean, wears on those guys, and they start changing. So, but I always say it's a basketball mentality. You know, I just really urge people around our, our school because we are pretty good at basketball but you know in basketball you can you can run around and dribble and, and score but um you know the bottom line is you got to learn to get physical sometime and uh and that, that mentality's got to come from somewhere cool yeah i got way too many technicals in basketball <laughs> and that's why you're a good football player <laughs> talking about your coaching career this could be wrestling or uh football what person or coach kind of do you model yourself after or like i mean i'm sure just like learning to shoot a basketball is a process or throwing a football uh i mean i'm sure you had to learn even though you were taught by some awesome coaches through your career so just give me your thought process on your development as a as a coach through the years whether that be wrestling or football Developing as a coach, you can never stop learning, and you know you, you see what's out there. You, you got to be willing to change. You can't be stuck in your ways. From a coaching standpoint, um, that's that's probably the biggest thing that I take away. Um, football has become an extremely sophisticated sport, especially in Northwest Iowa. Like we just talked about, how extremely athletic we we see teams, and, and there we have extremely good coaches. You know, the sad part of it is we always say if we can get a Northwest Iowa, we have a chance to win the title. And uh, and the, and the, and and that's the reality. Like, we, if we can get away from the West Lions, the Spirit Lakes, the Boynton Hollow Valley, we can get, and we can beat those guys to get to the next level, we'll, we have a good chance of winning it because we feel that good about about us. But we got to get away from our guys, our, our coaches from North Dakota that know us so well, athletes that are extremely good, that are talented. So um, that progression. But if you continue to have success and colleges start calling. Are you married to the Central Lion High School squad, or could you envision yourself being a college coach at some point in the future? That, that's a great question. College and my senior college, and I was done playing. And Bob Stoops came up and met with us as a coach, as a as a team, and then he spoke at our, our our team meeting and stuff like that. And I met with him afterwards, and he offered me a GA position at Oklahoma. And uh, at the time, I was like kind of like I knew I had the Central Lion gig starting. I and I had to really sit down and look in the mirror a little bit and, like, what, what's my aspirations in life? Where do I want to be? And uh, at that point in my life, I just I, I felt like I wanted the maybe security blanket or I wanted to focus on one thing and, you know, not hop around from job to job knowing that GA is only good for two years and after that you're going to be – you just hop from college to college. So, you know, the college world for me isn't something that intrigues me. Um, you know, to be a central line in lifer, you know, you – you know, I, you put this much time and effort and energy, and you, you built what you built your empire. I guess you you 
you want to stick with it, I guess. But, um, you know, life life's always different. I can't always say I'm going to 100% be, be a lion forever, but I, I'd be very surprised if I if I wasn't put that way. I got I got boys that uh, going through your high school career, being the coach with your kids playing. I can't couldn't imagine a more just in terms of family experience than that. I know my 17 year old will agree with you right now, but <laughs> that young man needs to just take it from an old 40 year old. That's just pretty awesome. And I mean, you know, I'm sure that uh, you're harder on him maybe than just somebody that's not your boy, but, uh, uh, you know, just from a father's standpoint, I couldn't imagine a, a cooler situation than, than seeing your flesh and blood out there performing at a high level, and it sounds like they're darn, he's darn sure doing it so far. So after you get him hustled through, I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Curtis Eben going to end up like old Art Bryles, coaching at high school, ending up as the head coach at Baylor University. Come on. In the year 1999, you guys didn't throw the ball. I think you had zero passing yards in the dome, and that's just the style of play that you guys had. An amazing defense and, and, a, and a really stout rushing game. Uh, have you guys went down the spread offense passing scheme, or do you guys still play that man-on-man, uh, go-right-at-him style rushing the ball? When I took over, we, we were starting to change, and we completely changed to more of a spread um, ball. We, we still run the ball probably 70 to 80% of the time, but um, – we're just more in a spread. We're in a lot of RPO, run-pass option um, cool. offense right now. So, um, again, it's one of those things. Um, teams got so good at playing us in the heavy run. They, they, you know, you put your five, six down linemen, they sub you up front so you couldn't move anybody, and they attack you. And so it was, it was time our, our defense has always, in, always been in our backbone of our program. Our defense has been extremely disciplined. Had amazing defensive coaches throughout the years. Okay, this is a dad question. Uh, so I'm probably personally a little bit like my own dad in that I hope that my kids are good at athletics. I, I'm sure that I would enjoy it, but I'm simply just a little bit busy during certain times of the year. Definitely not in the summer whenever I'm podcasting all summer about my football seasons. But I just I have a tough time sometimes uh, getting engaged and trying to make them good at athletics. And... I'm just sure that there's a lot of parents out there like me. But, uh, I mean, in terms of trying to optimize my kids' own athletic potential so we don't miss out on some fun opportunities like all three of us have enjoyed, or our parents at least have enjoyed, uh, would you encourage me to get my kids into camps? Or, I mean, what do you say in terms of maximizing athletic ability just as a dad or as a coach? Um, you know, as both in my perspective from a dad and a coach, obviously it's exactly the same, but uh, my my biggest thing is get them involved as much as possible. Um, I mean, we're talking any and all activities. Yeah, it sucks transporting them around, but the more they move, the more they understand their body control, the better they're going to be down the road. You can take it, you know, from, from running to, um, you know, the agility part of things, just the body control, hitting the ball, kicking the soccer ball. You know, that's a big thing for me. You know, I – I absolutely I love kids wrestling, uh, head wrestling coach, but you know I don't push wrestling hard. My my big thing was when I was younger, um, my I just my son would you know, I just hold him back and say if we're in second grade we're going to two tournaments, we're in third we're going to go to three tournaments, we're in fourth grade we're going to go to four tournaments, and uh, just for the fact when he get to high school I want him a good taste of it. I want him to go to practice every day, but I, I want to have a good taste in his mouth when he's done with his career. Uh, you win a state title and you hate the sport, it really doesn't mean that much. So. For me, it's all about this life perspective, and uh, 
I, I really wanted him to enjoy it. He, he's had, you know, he's, he's had a good sophomore year this year in wrestling. Uh, not great, but, uh, you know, he's bigger and stronger this year. Hopefully, uh, he can change that a little bit in wrestling, but, uh, he's got a great attitude, comes to work every day in, in the, in the practice room. So, you know, and, you know, my youngest kid now, uh, started in gymnastics, uh, and it's not so much about, it's about the flexibility and it's about, uh, the agility part of things. So, like I said, I, I think the big, big part of parents is to get them involved. Uh, you don't have to pay to play type of thing, but you gotta get them involved and, and as much as they can and then just get, get kids outside. Get them out, get them out of the house. You know, I, I'm a big component of that. I'm actually a technology administrator at the school, so I'm a huge technology guy. But uh, my kids don't have iPads. My kids have limited screen time. Get a get a get a ball in your hand. Get a bat in your hand. Whatever it is, go climb a tree. Go outside and get a ball in your hand and get a damn uh, scraped up knee every now and again. Gosh darn it! Way to go! Way to go! You know, and then they cry. You and then when they cry, you walk away and you and you and you just (laughs) smile. So that's 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 the best part of life. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Too many like minds right here, right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Parenting 101. I don't know if we'll uh, make the liberal playbook, but uh, anyways, just setting up the ending of the show. Uh, Curtis, you broke my heart some 23 years ago. We thought we were big stuff. Everybody was telling us how good we were. We went up to the dome, and uh, <laughs> the, the third play of Central Lions game, just after we had punted it away to you, you took it 40 yards to the house. And my boy, Courtney Berry, number 91, hopped on your shoulder pads, and he rode you in like a pony trying to uh, horse collar you. And I said, I told Scott the other day, if he just would have aimed for his knee, not to injure you, but aim for your ankle even, uh, and tackled you <laughs> at the 10 or the 5-yard line, maybe, just maybe, we might have been able to hold you to a field goal there, and uh, maybe the, the dynamic of that game would have changed. But it didn't happen. Uh, more importantly... We uh, were inside you guys' 20 three times in the fourth quarter, and uh, most famously with uh, around 10 seconds left at the four-yard line, old number 48 off the, uh, as you're playing defense, you were on the right side, and you had, according to your podcast, you had Nate Robinson do a little bit of interference for you, and it looked like... (laughs) I'm not trying to call anybody out here, but it looked like Scott Schwaller and John Harrington forgot to block the number one player on the team, number 48. You you waltzed in there like yeah. nobody laid a finger on you. And like I said earlier, this wasn't a fingernail block. You blocked it with your belly button straight straight in the middle of your body. There was no doubt. The game was over. Uh, just one brief question about the game. Looking back on it, I'm just so happy that that whole run happened for my team and my teammates and me and Scott uh, because we were bun- – I mean, we had no traditions, so it's like, uh, you know, we're just happy that it happened. But looking back on it, we were playing in our full, like, winter – what I call winter white jerseys. That was the hottest atmosphere I've ever played in my life. Uh, and you guys were wearing your short shorts. I don't know if that's something that you guys actually talked about or focused on, but if I had it to do over again, I would have cut my jersey in half and probably not worn my elbow sleeve protectors because we had four fumbles in that game, and I was one of them that fumbled. Scott was another one that fumbled. It was the hottest and loudest atmosphere that I ever played in. Just didn't know if you had any, like, 
personal feedback about that as a player or a coach? I, you know, I tell you what, I I went back and watched his game when we did our podcast, Central Line George Little Rock did our podcast, and then last night uh, he sent me the JSPC. That's pretty cool how our team uh, had one from up, you know, like a normal game up high, and then there's announcers for the game. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That was awesome. For back then, that was that was that was top notch stuff. I tell you, I was telling my wife last night when I got to bed at like two o'clock, and she was really excited to see me. Then I'm sure, but I started talking <laughs> to her, and I was saying, you know, throughout my all these years that I've been in Iowa coaching, whatever, I've ran into more JSPC moms, dads, players, brothers than any other team combined. I was in Omaha Airport, and I ran into somebody that. That's, I was talking and they asked and I told them like, oh, oh, we don't like you, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, but great respect out, of, great respect out of the whole thing, you know, but it's, I tell you what, going back to that game and watching, you know, we, we played 10 times. I don't know if we beat you guys three times. <laughs> it, was, it was darn sure a matchup of like match teams in terms of defense first and just enough offense to get us through. Uh, when I was listening to y'all's podcast, I think you, might have said the average either 13 or 17 points a game that year and then maybe five, only five defensive points per game were given up. That's an amazing defense that you had. Yeah. So there was no doubt that if we played ten times, the score might have remained under a total of 20 combined points in all ten games, but I'm sure it would have been a, a toss-up just like, you know, that game was. So, I mean, maybe it would have been five. I, you know, I, I, I listened to the, the coach. You know, you guys have had a little pre-coach thing, and you guys have had coach goes, uh, Kirby goes, you know, I, if it's if it's a low-scoring game, we're going to feel really good about it. <laughs> and so, you know, it's one of those things that it played out exactly how it should have played out. And But that's the same thing for us. If you would have asked our head coach, Toby Lorenzo, at the same time, he would have said the same thing. Reed Kenny, your guys' tight end might be the biggest behemoth tight end that's ever lived <laughs> for high school football. Good God, that dude was big. But the but the the, the guy was extremely smart. And you know, you probably, you heard this in my podcast, but I I I, I should have multiple times. I was supposed to be guarding him. I was going to be underneath him. The safety was over top. Blah blah. And he just found that zone. And uh, Briggs found him every time. And one time I end up going behind him and stripping the ball, getting a turnover, and then the, and then they turn around, make big plays, and you guys come back down. He caught two big passes, get down on the four yard line, and but I tell you what, he 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 had just had a knack for knowing where he's at in that football field. But and then your Briggs, I don't know what that guy's up to these days, but that dude was a damn good athlete, and uh, and I and he was a shifty, just like a little snake out there. He was extremely hard to tackle, ran the offense, offense extremely well. Um, you, you know, I always – those type of players you you got to have on your team, and he was he was just a damn good ball player. You know? right. that, that play right before right before the field goal, that right at the end of the game there, Briggs rolls out to the right. For whatever reason, you guys didn't block our defensive end. And what an athlete to get rid of that ball without getting sacked. Yeah, unbelievably, <laughs> unbelievable athletic play. If he doesn't make that, I don't have to block the field goal. So I, now I look like a hero, so I'm glad. But, you know, Luke Ball was a great offensive lineman, D lineman. That dude he played extremely good DM. He gave us all kinds of trouble. You're making my day that you're shouting all these, out all these people by name. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and then and then obviously, you know, you, Matt, and, and Scott, 
you guys play middle block. When you guys blitz, we we never blocked you. You guys got through every time. I'm just glad you didn't blitz every day and play because it would have been negative yards on, on the game. But just as a personal favor to me, Curtis, could I get you to do one thing? Could you oh, yeah. reenact that story about uh, our uh, his his number was number four and his name is Johnny Minahan? You said something about the true player of the game was uh, the kicker that did what? Could you could, could you say that? Could you give me a sound bite here to kind of give John Minahan some shit? So John Minahan actually was an All State player that year, DB player, but yeah, he, he had some wheels on him. But I do I, I got to protect John a little bit here because. <laughs> the, the unsung hero of that game was our kicker. So Danny Shoneman was the kicker, and he tackled John Minahan. Danny Shoneman. But Danny Shoneman was an extremely good athlete. So all-state footballer Curtis Eben, uh, you're saying that Danny Shoneman, a kicker, tackled John Minahan. Yeah. Danny made two tackles on John um, to, to basically win that game. Cause it, it is John and Danny – Open field, and Danny tackles him. Not once. First team All-State uh, <laughs> defensive back, and he probably got to that point because of his 45 or 50-yard kickoff return average. And he got tackled by the kicker twice. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding yeah, me, John Minahan? Jesus, Johnny. Come on. I know you're not here to defend yourself, but I know you're listening. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I know he got so well, and I shouldn't say I know, but I mean – I mean, the theatrics that he pulled off, like, at the end of the season, you know, I mean, we went one and three, right? And, I mean, it was dire straits. And then we started to go on the seven run. Okay, one last time, just to review, three-time All-American college football player Curtis Eben says that Johnny Minahan got tackled by the kicker twice. He told me in that game, he goes, Scott, if I just would have ran it up the sidelines, he probably would have scored. I'm like, yeah, Johnny, he probably would have. I wanted to cut it back on him, and I don't know why, but, yeah, good memory. Split uh, second decisions 20-some years ago is just, just so funny to me that uh, we started off so poorly uh, and ended up creating a season that's brought us here, talking with one of the greatest players of the whole year in the state, Curtis Even, and uh, it's just awesome to be talking about it. And uh, I probably couldn't yeah. have had this. This nuanced discussion 22 years ago, I was still hot about why we didn't win that game. But now, after all these years, it's just really fun as a as a as a salt and pepper, gray haired old man to kind of revisit the, the history of uh, what I, we all went through. So I hear you there, and you know, I, I give you guys a lot of credit for actually uh, reliving that because I I don't know if I had that the audacity to call up uh, my opponent and uh, and uh, and actually uh, have a conversation with him. But, so I give you guys some wow. credit for doing wow. this. Curtis, Curtis just, nah, to be honest, just to be honest, Curtis, uh, Lawler didn't answer the phone call. I'd much rather be talking about that 6-0 shutout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I wish well, you you've been a, a really, really good sport about it all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it champions what we want to teach our kids, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Be, be, be spirited within that you know, context, but then, you know, I don't know. The NBA maybe is a little bit like they always call it like maybe we're too friendly. And to be competitors is great, but to respect, you know, who is across the line of scrimmage with you, that, I mean, that, that there's beauty in that. Like you said, it's 20 years ago, and it's it's a, it's a 
great. It was an amazing football. You know, I I watched the game and it it it's it was so, they're so it was so damn physical. Uh, you know, I I remember hitting or I hit Matt one time. Well, no, I, I hit Matt on a ISO at linebacker. I turn around, we punt. The very first play, you guys are on an ISO right at me, and I hit Matt again. It's like, God damn it. So go past that, because I had a couple of recollections. So our first game against Denison, uh, their fullback was like 225 pounds, and I hit him straight on, and it broke my face mask off my helmet. <laughs> and I told Matt, I go, I don't know if I can have many more of these. And Matt's like, you're okay, you're fine. It doesn't matter. And so, like, when you went to college, did you have the same physicalities going on, or was it like – Surely. I mean, everything's more strategic. You know, you're not running yeah, out, right? Yeah. You're there. No, no, no. It, you're, we you're we did. We we ran. We played Hastings College, and they ran. They ran power ISO all the time. The entire all. It was like miserable. You just knew, like the next day, you weren't going to get out of bed. You're going to be. Yeah, it was going to hurt. And we went up to Mary North. Mary North Dakota, and they had a. They just. They were. They were head hunting me. They just. They didn't care if they won or lost the game. They were going to take me out in that first quarter. I was thinking about this earlier, Matt and Scott, and you, you guys. You guys are captains. And you, you guys remember uh, the coin toss? So we, we we got to the coin toss, and I, if you know me, I, like I'm 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 the most competitive person alive, but also I'm like the biggest jokester alive. And so, um, whatever they they said, uh, the officials came up and they go, so uh, you know what end do you want to what what end do you want to defend or whatever? And I said, I'll take the wind. And I remember, I think it was you, Scott. You looked at me like, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> you gave me that cross-eyed look, and I, you just stared at me like, you. And the official, the white hat, kind of looks at me, and I'm like, ah, just shit with you. We'll, we'll kick to the scoreboard. You guys had just a little bit of uh, experience up there. Was my comment earlier about it being the hottest and loudest place in the world? I mean, even with just 4,000 people on Jefferson side and maybe 4,000 on the Central Lions side, I mean, is that uh, a thing, or is there just way louder oh, yeah. environments? In oh no, no, it's loud. You know, it. The worst part, you guys, I don't know how uh, you guys. So we we played the, the year before against Harlan, so we we had a little experience, you know, going in. But you guys probably didn't. But you like, you guys, you guys probably, you guys practicing your gym going into that week, or. I just remember coming out of that game, and I was even though we lost, and I was disappointed. I was just like. I, it took me an hour to recover my breath, and I had never been so sopping, sopping wet with sweat. And you did mention in your podcast that you guys had a few more uh, one-way players than we had. And anyways, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I, I truly think that you guys going to the dome in the past was a slight advantage to you because it was just like, oh, big time. I was living out, of, I was, was living out a dream that day. Yeah, and that was my point. Like we we practiced in the gym, and we turned on the, a crowd noise, and that's how we practiced. Mm-hmm. And so yep. that prepared us for the loud noise because we, we you couldn't hear the snap sure. count sometimes. And so that was like something that we did. We did that all the time. Like we turned the music as loud as we could, and it's like, <laughs> and then it was like, all right, snap the ball. Play and off the, it was like, play off the movement that, of the ball and the, the uh, sound of the snap. Yep. You know, and so and that's the thing that we you know those are the little things that we did to prepare um, to get there, but. You know, ultimately, when the game starts, it's just who hits harder and who puts who punches sure. in the mouth. And and for you guys, those turnovers that ultimately just 
put the nail biter in. There was a turnover that we had down inside like the five, I had, and you guys recovered it, but they ruled it down. Not really sure how that was down. Thank God that was uh, that wasn't that way, but. I remember that. That was the first half. That uh, was shortly before yeah. you guys' field goal, and that was yep. a quick. That was a quick whistle, and you know it is what it is. Just little breaks in the game, and like you say, uh, once once the whistle blows, it's just about uh, smash mouth football. But uh, guys' team was really, I mean, symbiotic of us, right? Like, I mean, yeah, defense is where we live, and yeah, uh, yeah. It, I know it was just an awesome game. I think there was one no. stat, or not one stat, but there was one commentators where Matt hit one of your other linebackers. I don't think it was you, but did you have another linebacker? Yeah, yeah 46, Maskey. Yeah. There you go. You, you hit Maskey, our middle yeah. linebacker. Yeah. But, but go back. Hey, hey, Scott, look, Scott, this is your, hey, hey, Scott, this is your time because you watch our guy get up and he walks back. You watch Matt walk back. Max got like a little gimp going on. What happened, Matt? <laughs> well, he was two thirty and I was one ninety. <laughs> that was my running style. That was my running style. I I wasn't fast enough to go around him or to juke him. I was just trying to try to go over the top of him, so I. I slowed that game, uh, that play down in the game footage because it was like uh, the announcer said, that's the war of the worlds or whatever, and it's just like, yeah, man, well, we hit yeah. each other hard, that play. Yeah. Oh, that was a good one. But, uh, but that was just, that play right there just tells you how that game was played, though. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we woke up the next day, you can't tell me you can feel sure. <laughs> that, that game and the turf and everything else that happened. That, that's what makes it fun. You know, it, there's no doubt about it. That's what makes it fun playing in that in that situation, the dome and the crowd and the parents and listening to your guys' sure. mom's podcast. What what a freaking cool deal. You know, it's, um, <laughs> you know. It's, Damn, you're so you know, awesome. I, I love you, Curtis, even. Yeah, like my brother from another mother right now. So yeah. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on your family vacation in Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I got your phone number now, so I'll give you a text, uh, this fall and maybe sit down and, and take in a game, watch your boys score a touchdown this fall. So. Sounds good to me. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. And let, like I said, it's fun yeah. to reminisce and, uh, uh, best of luck to you guys and your kids down the road here and, uh, stay in touch. Yeah. Make sure you yeah, share YouTube that, man. uh, YouTube video around to your, uh, classmates and buddies. Uh, that is a pretty cool. Thank you very much, no, Curtis. Worries. Scott. I don't know if I'll ever talk to you again, Scott, until your boys get into high school. I can't wait to watch them not blow their knees out and uh, score millions of touchdowns and go to the University of Oklahoma and the University of Michigan because you never got to. God damn it, Scott. We could have won the state title if you would have stayed healthy, you prick. (laughs) Or or if you didn't fumble, Matt, one of the two. It was me. It was me. Definitely. I had one. Scott Scott had one in the first half. Yeah, but Scott had torn ACL. What was your excuse? Uh, I I didn't lift. I thought I had all talent. Oh. I, I just didn't think I had to work as hard as you guys. Gosh, I I, oh, I missed an okay. opportunity there. Yeah. If you only would have been a dairy farmer, we would have won the game. Damn it, yeah, Bill Lautner, I know you're listening. You shouldn't have been in the cattle business. You should have been a damn dairy farmer. <laughs> oh, last thing I'll tell you. Last thing I'll tell you, Curtis. Uh, my boy, Nick Smith, that was my college roommate uh, from Wooden Hole, he said that your wife is 
somehow involved in the pig deal? Is, is that right? Like maybe commercial? Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. What, that's what we're here. We're actually in Wisconsin for the National Pork Conference. Cool. There you go. If uh, if your family ever takes up show cattle, come on down and see us in Adel, America. But uh, uh, tell your wife and kids hello for me and no bullshit. I'll be in that area. There's probably 30 calf sales in every September in that 50-mile uh, circle. So, so I'll come so by you, and I'll, where you I'm living now, down Matt? and watch a game. Where you, where you uh, living now, ten minutes, Matt? Ten, minute, 10 minutes west of Des Moines in Adel, Iowa. I guess the only mutual friend oh, we have on Facebook is uh, Van Rokel. Oh, yeah, Lance Van Rokel. Yeah. 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 I'd love to end the podcast yeah. like this. My wife is calling me for a third time during these Friday Night Light podcasts here. She wants me to come upstairs, so I've got to let you guys go. And I've done a whole lot of podcasting the last two and a half, three months. And this is the longest podcast of all time. So uh, I expect to get text messages. I expect to get text messages from John Minahan tomorrow saying, take your letter jacket off. And I'm going to say, Oh, yeah, me and Curtis even took you down on how you got kicked, uh, tackled by the kicker, sucker. <laughs> Have a good one, boys. Appreciate your time very much. All right, see you, boys. Awesome talking to you, man. All right, you too, Scott. Take care. Yeah, yep, see you guys. Make a big noise playing in the street Gonna be a big man someday You got mud on your face You big disgrace Kicking your can all over the place